Let's pray before we read. Heavenly Father, we come to your word again this morning. We come, Lord, with an expectation that your spirit will descend, that our eyes will be open to it, and that we will understand it. That, Lord, we will walk away from here changed, knowing not just about the sorrow of Jeremiah for the sins of the people and the nation, but also of the sorrow that we are to have, and, Lord, most importantly today, your character and what that means to us. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Lamentations chapter 3. I'm going to start in verse 19 and read through 38. Remember my affliction and my wandering, the wormwood and bitterness. Surely my soul remembers and is bowed down within me. This I recall to my mind, therefore I have hope. The Lord's loving kindnesses indeed never cease, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I have a hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the person who seeks him. It is good that he waits silently for the salvation of the Lord. It is good for a man that he should bear the yoke of his youth. Let him sit alone and be silent since he has laid it on him. Let him put his mouth in the dust, perhaps there is hope. Let him give his cheek to the smiter. Let him be filled with reproach, for the Lord will not reject forever. For if he causes grief, then he will have compassion according to his abundant loving kindness. For he does not afflict willingly or grieve the sons of men. To crush under his feet all the prisoners of the land, to deprive a man of justice in the presence of the Most High, to defraud a man in his lawsuit, of these things the Lord does not approve. Who is there who speaks, and it comes to pass, unless the Lord has commanded it? Is it not from the mouth of the Most High that both good and ill go forth? This is God's inspired word for us this morning. Now, just to recap. Recap where we have been. Jeremiah has written his book that bears his name. And it is about his life and the coming end of the kingdom of Jerusalem, the southern kingdom. And he, as we'll see in a moment, he preaches and preaches. No one cares what he says. Uh, He tells them that the bad things are coming. They don't believe it. And sure enough, the bad things all come. And the people are taken off in exile, and then he writes Lamentations, these five chapters, and they talk about, in an effort to understand the chastisement of God and what that means in the life of an entire nation. So he is writing about his sorrow for the sin of the entire nation. And... This all happened, 587 or so, 586, this destruction comes upon this nation, and they are crying out. But in the middle of all of this lamenting, all of this woefulness, all of this pain and sorrow, are these couple verses that we're going to focus on today. This I recall to my mind, and therefore I have hope. Verse 21, the Lord's loving kindness indeed never cease, for his compassions never fail, They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. In a book that is devoted to lamenting, to woe, to pain, and to sorrow, here are perhaps some of the greatest words about the faithfulness of God. 
in all that we find in Scripture. Marshall Shelley spoke at an alumni dinner at, at Wheaton. Uh, I just happened to read this. And Marshall talks about the birth of his son and the death of his son. He was born at 820 and died at 822. The nurse says, do you have a name for the baby? And he and his wife said, Toby. It's short for the biblical name Tobiah, which means God is good. As he was talking about his experience, he says, he summed it up by, life is hard, but God is good. That sums up the book of Lamentations. Life is hard, but God is good. Jeremiah was known as the weeping prophet, for his life was very, very difficult. Just a couple of highlights from his life. He was called from the womb. He says, before you were in, when you were in your mother's room, I had called you. I had put my hand upon you. It was not something that the Lord consulted with Jeremiah about. He simply said, you will be my prophet. You will be my prophet. And you will preach nothing but judgment. Now, how long do you think you would keep me around if I preached nothing but judgment? Okay. But Jeremiah was under commitment and call from the Lord. He was forbidden to marry. He had to give himself fully and completely to the ministry. There were to be no distractions in his life, and his ministry was to be nothing but the proclamation of the judgment of God upon a people who would not listen to him. In all the book of Jeremiah, there is not one instance, example, that anybody ever listened, that their heart was ever changed by the preaching of Jeremiah. For 50 years, Jeremiah preached the judgment of God, and everybody, you know, covered their ears. They didn't want to hear it. They didn't want to hear it. They didn't want to think about it. He wept openly about the sins of his people. For those who would not listen to him, he wept and he wept and he wept. He endured depression. He even came to the point where he tried to get out of ministry. It's not uncommon for people in ministry to try to get out. (laughs) Because there are great joys, but there are also great sorrows in ministry. But it's one of those things. If the Lord has called you to it, you must do it until he turns you loose. So you have to be in ministry. For 50 years, he did this. No one heeded his advice. He suffered imprisonment. King Zedekiah put him in prison. He finally, after so many years, he couldn't take Jeremiah's words anymore. He said, I am sick and tired of you preaching nothing but bad news. So he threw him in the dungeon. And as the Babylonians came and sacked the city, as Jeremiah's prophecies came true, do you know where the king kept him? In the dungeon. In the dungeon. Jerusalem falls. They're taken captive. Did Jeremiah ever once say, I told you so. I told you this was going to happen. You stupid people. Why didn't you listen to me? He never says that. He only preaches the brokenness of the spirit, the need to repent of sin, and the faithfulness of God. See, after a life of being mocked and rejected and hated and imprisoned and ignored, after seeing Jerusalem destroyed, experiencing the horror of famine, and, and siege and all the things that come with it. He can stand in the middle of Jerusalem, in a sense, and look around at all the destruction, look around at all the people who have been sent into exile, who have been killed, and say, great is thy faithfulness. 
Now, when have we been able to do that? When in your personal life have you stood around and looked at the destruction that you have wrought in your own disobedience and then remembered the faithfulness of the Lord and sought his face and asked for forgiveness? See, how is this possible that God would even forgive? How is it possible that God would even care? You know, all this time, these people were disobedient, yet the Lord is watching over them. Jeremiah knew that whether things went well or whether things fell apart, that God would still be God, that he would be eternally faithful to his people. Chapter 3, verse 21. Hmm. I went and turned the page without knowing it. Chapter 3, verse 21. This I recall to my mind. As I look at all the destruction, as I look at the disobedience of the people, as I look at what the Lord has done, and he has been justified in this, this I recall to my mind. His loving kindnesses never cease. He never ceases. God's merciful love gives us hope. The word for this love here is hesed. And it only talks about God's love. It never talks about human love for one another. It can only be used to describe God's love because it is unfailing. It is righteous. It is just. It is never selfish. It is loving kindness. It is constant. It it refers to God's loyalty to us who don't deserve that type of loyalty. The people of Jerusalem certainly didn't deserve it, but yet he was loyal. How comforting to know. That God's love is not based upon us. Okay? That God's love is not based upon our character, upon our fickleness, upon the way that we hold to things as the wind blows, but His love is based upon His faithfulness, upon His character, upon His immutability. That means the unchanging character of God. That's where His love comes from, for us. So far in Lamentations, we've seen that uh, the example of the northern kingdom... That would be Israel. They were into idolatry. They were into moral depravity. And the prophets said, y'all are in trouble. And they didn't believe them, and they fell. And the people in the southern kingdom and Judah said, you know, you probably weren't chosen anyway. It's only us here in Jerusalem that are chosen. And Jeremiah for 50 years says, you're in trouble, you're in trouble, you're in trouble. Finally, the walls come crashing down. But we see in this little section, that we never reach the end of God's faithfulness. We never reach the end of his mercies, because they are new each and every day. Now, how many of us who've had little kids, you know, have put those little kids to bed, think, I don't know why we had kids, you know? This is just, this one is going to drive me crazy. I just want to murder him, you know, and that's our own children we're talking about. And then we get up the next morning and what? It's, It's a new day. It's good. We start a whole new day. You walk in, and they look at you and go, Dad, you know, and you're just so excited to see them. It's a new day. That's the way God's mercies are. They are new each and every day with us. How many times have we pursued ourselves into sin, thrown ourselves into sin, or pursued it, and then sought forgiveness, and the Lord says, you know what? Those things are forgiven because you have repented. You've turned away. Now they're as far as the east is from the west. That's the extent that he forgives our sins. He puts them aside. He pours out his mercy. What amazed Jeremiah as he's looking over Jerusalem, and what often can amaze us as we look over sometimes the ruin that we've wrought in our lives is that God's compassion never fails. 
never fails. If you belong to him, you might stray, you might run off the road, but yet God is what? Well, the thing He's going to go and he's going to get you. He might have to break your leg and then carry you around, just like a shepherd would carry around a little lamb, but you will be that much closer. The things of Christ and the things of God will be that much sweeter to you. The Bible tells us about faithfulness of the Lord. Verse 23, they are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness, faithfulness, firmness, fidelity, steadiness, steadfastness. This is the way that God is. This is the one in whom we can depend. The storms, the trials of life, they come, they push on us. They push us here, they push us there. They don't push God. He never moves. He never changes. He never changes. His mercies are new every day. He provides the care and the grace that we need each and every day. Now, I was thinking of this, and I said, well, Lord, you know, I have to come to you every day for mercy and grace. And basically, that's what it says. Well, why can't you just dole it out to me all at once, and I'll be good? You know, I can reach perfection here in this world, in a sense. And that's just not the way he works. It would be like, um, here you are, you've got a uh, trust fund for your son, okay? And... On the 1st of January, your son comes to collect his money each day, each 1st, January 1st. You write him a big check, and that gets him through the year. And you send him off, and then you don't see him again for an entire year. 1st of January, he comes back, and he's waiting for his check. Well, you say, you know, I I really want to be with my son. I want to know my son, but he only comes once a year. What should you do? Well, the next year you show up, you write him a check for a day. And then he looks and says, what's this? He says, I'll see you tomorrow. Son comes back tomorrow. And then he comes back the next day and the next day. And there's that closeness and that relationship is built. Why? Because the mercies are new every day. He gives us enough grace to see us through the next day. What did we pray in the Lord's Prayer? Give us this day our daily bread. And tomorrow, what will we do? We'll ask for tomorrow's daily bread. Remember the the, the Israelites, as they were wandering in the desert, and the Lord provided manna. How much manna did he give them? He said, you collect enough for today. And if they collected more, what was it like in the morning? Rotten. Except for the Sabbath. Except for the Sabbath. If our Father in heaven, Jesus says, what, or he says, what man is there among you? If his son asks for bread, he'll give him a stone. Or if he asks for fish, he'll give him a serpent. He says, if you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Matthew chapter 7. See, if God's compassions are new every morning, each and every morning, then you have a right to seek them and claim them claim them each and every day. Lord, I had a terrible day yesterday. I'm ready for some new mercies. I'm ready for some new compassions I'm ready to put that day aside. It's like I want to open my eyes and say, Hi, Dad. You know, as we look at the Lord and say, What are you going to do today? I want to put that behind me. I want to seek your face and I want to pursue those things that you call me to. We don't have any claim or ownership or inherent right to presume upon upon God's mercies. They are altogether undeserved. Remember, we don't deserve these, yet they're unending for those who belong to him. Right? He showers them upon us. It is a never-ending series of mercies for those who belong to Jesus Christ. Even though sometimes we've abused his mercy. We've ignored it. Maybe even ungratefully accepted it. All right, Lord. 
If that's your mercy, I guess I have to take it. I don't like it, but I'll take it. See, mercies can come in blessings. They can come in chastisements. They can come in what is come to known as severe mercies. I'll tell you a story about a man I met about two years ago. His name was Don. Don was a real estate developer in a variety of places. He settled in Birmingham. And he was a guy that uh, was a mover and shaker, poured in millions of his own dollars, millions of other people's dollars, made a lot of money for a lot of people in developing neighborhoods, developing golf courses and things like that. David was a, uh, or Don was a um, nominal Baptist at best. He and his wife got along very well, but yet, you know, Christ was not all that sweet to Don. One day Don had a stroke. That type of stroke kills 98% of the people that it, it hits. It did not kill Don, but left him in bed, completely reliant upon everybody else for all of his needs. This happened about four years ago. I met Don two years ago because he had a box at the SEC uh, college playoffs, and they play down in Birmingham. And his brother is a good friend of mine, said, said come on down. Our, my brother's going to take us to the, the game. And, and I said, your, your brother, the one who had the stroke? He said, yeah. He said, he, you have to understand, he's a changed man. So I went down and, and met his brother, and, and we went to the care facility where Don was. And Don was ready. He was in his chair. He had a special chair that, you know, he had a little movement in one hand, and that would get electronically he could get around. And we loaded him up in the special van. Remember, Don had, had made a lot of money, and, but it was all going into his care now. And we were in the van and buckled him up, and he turns to me as much as he could. I'm sitting next to him, and he says, uh, Now, my, my brother tells me you're a believer, but I know you're Presbyterian, so I have some doubts about it. <laughs> like that. <laughs> and he didn't say it with, you know, well, you know, I'm a Baptist, and, and Presbyterians we're not sure about. He said it with, with a real fun but a real caring type of attitude. And what had happened in his life, and he would say this on many occasions, his stroke was the best thing that ever happened to him. It was a severe mercy. It was debilitating. It, was, it almost killed him. And in the early days of, of having that stroke affect him, he longed to die to be removed from that body. But later, as Christ became sweeter and sweeter to him, as he was still immobilized, still relied upon other people to do everything for him, his desire was to see Christ. Not just be removed from the body, but it be, he became, Christ became so sweet to him in that severe mercy that he desired to be with Christ. Don died just about a month and a half ago, and uh, he was a member of this giant Baptist church, and that giant Baptist church was filled with people because everybody that Don saw, he asked about their salvation. And he asked not in a buttonhole way, but in a very caring and compassionate way. And to have this man roll up to you who had been in, had a stroke and was in this wheelchair and to relate to you the glories of Christ and the wonderfulnesses of his mercies that were new to Don every day, but yet Don knew he was going to wake up in that wheelchair the next day. Don's not in a wheelchair anymore. But to see that love flow from him, 
This is a testimony to the faithfulness of God. This is what Dawn understood as a severe mercy. It caused the things of Christ to be that much sweeter to him. And I think, Lord, don't don't let me take for granted your mercies to that point that you have to get my attention in that fashion. I want to know those mercies. I want to enjoy them. Because sometimes, as verse 32 says, he causes grief in our lives. Why? So that we can turn to him and rely upon his mercies. But the Lord does afflict us sometimes to get our attention and to draw us close to him. James chapter 5 talks about Job. It says, You have heard of the endurance of Job and have seen the outcome of the Lord's dealing, that the Lord is full of compassion and mercy. The Lord allowed those things to happen to Job so that his mercies would be sweeter. In all of Job's affliction, the Lord's aim was mercy. Was mercy. So it was In Jeremiah's life, in the people of Jerusalem, the destruction of Jerusalem was to demonstrate the mercy of God. See, Jeremiah knew something about the promises of God, certainly. That his mercies are new every morning, that these these things, these these hopes, these dreams, they they are, are, are provided for, that the Lord cares for us and that he sees them. Yet Jeremiah also realized that even God's severe judgment was a sign and a demonstration of his mercies. It was a call to faithfulness. Even in judgment, we have hope. God's loyal love means we will not be completely destroyed. He will always be there to care for us. So no matter how dark the day is, no matter if you wake up in the wheelchair each and every day and think that, you know, Life is going to be this for the next several years. I'm, I, someone else has control over me, yet the Lord uses that if we will cling to him. Thomas Obadiah Chisholm was born in a log cabin in 1866. He didn't have any formal education, but yet through hard work and his own study, he became the schoolmaster of his little town by the time he was 16. When he was 27, he received Christ as his Lord and Savior and would go on to his life and write poems and poems about the character of God. 1,200 poems he wrote over the course of his life. In 1941, he wrote, My income has not been large at any time due to my impaired health in the early years, which has followed me until now. And although I must not fail to record here the unfailing faithfulness of a covenant-keeping God, and that he has given me many wonderful displays of his providing care, for which I am filled with astonishing gratefulness. His most famous poem goes, Great is thy faithfulness, O God my Father. There is no shadow of turning with thee. Thou changest not, thy compassions they fail not. As thou hast been, thou forever wilt be. Great is thy faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning, new mercies I see. All I have needed, thy hand has provided. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. In the midst of destruction and death and disease, Jeremiah reminds us, the Lord is always faithful. Let's pray.
Lord, who are we to deserve this faithfulness? But yet, you are faithful. And Lord, you have brought us here today to remind us of that very thing. Not that we might look at our sin and mourn our sin. We've talked about that. But that today, we might know your mercies new today. That we might be reminded that great is your faithfulness. You do not turn from us. You do not change. Your compassions, they never fail. As you have been now, you are forever. And your faithfulness is great. Lord, there might be those here in this congregation today who have doubted that, who have struggled with that. Who have said, Lord, your word says it, but I don't believe it. I don't see it. Open our eyes today, Lord, that no matter what circumstance we're in, that no matter what, where we've been, that we would be reminded that you call us by name, that you draw us unto yourself, that you provide us mercy and grace, and your faithfulness never ends. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's sing together that great poem that Thomas Chisholm wrote, Great is Thy Faithfulness, number 98. Let's stand as we sing.
Great is your faithfulness, Lord, and we give you praise for it. We don't understand it, we don't deserve it, but yet here it is in your word. New mercies, great faithfulness bestowed upon us who are sinful and unworthy. This love is beyond what we can understand. But yet, Lord, we feel it here in our hearts. We know it to be true. You have called us by name. You have called us to repent of our sin, to receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, and to live Knowing you are faithful, faithful to forgive, faithful to sustain us, faithful to give us the mercy that we need. Lord, send us out that we would never doubt that you are there each and every day to sustain and bless and care for those whom you have called. Show us this mercy today, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.